Blog Talk Radio. Urban Glory Radio. Simply Glory. opportunity for us to study the word of God systematically, so I'm delighted with you today, and I ask that you pray and be in agreement with me, um, that my voice will get the message out strong today. We are on an interesting subject. We are discovering depth in belief, and we're dealing with believing, the power of believing, and I think it's uh, a great subject to really look into um, when we talk about divine discoveries. And, of course, um, we're going to continue on this study and go further into it. Um, And I believe you're going to be blessed by it. 
Let's pray and not delay as we look to the Lord and ask him for assistance in this matter. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide, giving me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say about the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, we've been we've been talking about discovering depth in belief, and we talked about how it is the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms and tra- transfigure um, us to believe. And in order to excel in the power of belief, we must have uh, expelled the power of unbelief. And so tonight, I want to talk about unbelief as the crisis of faith cured. Uh, as the crisis of faith cured. We, we define belief as a conviction of a truth that gives clarified viewpoints in connection to confidence that provides power for that proof. And as we, as we begin to walk with God and experience things with the Lord, uh, the Lord will unveil to the truth that we need to know, and that truth allows a freedom and liberty, um, which, which really which really provokes our heart to be steadfast, unmovable, yet abounding in God's plan, in God's ideals, in God's agenda. It's amazing to me how the the term belief has definitions that require conviction, clarities, and connections to truth, when disbelief is the absence of faith. And, and, and one of the one of the the simplest definitions of unbelief is the absence of faith. We're in faith, and the Bible says anything that's not done in faith is sin. And so belief often brings about the faith message. It brings about the anatomy of faith because it is our acting on what we believe that enables us to exist confident in what we know is true, even though we don't see it with our natural eyes. We don't hear it with our natural ears. There's an inward awareness that connects us to a greater reality called the supernatural. But natural man cannot obtain the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. So when we believe God, it's an awakening of the discernment that is the, the discernment mechanism kicking in. And 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 two things happen, and I want to discuss this because I want to uh, begin to unweb this and untangle this web of information. And when we talk about belief, belief is a web of information that has to be untangled and clarified. You have to have a conviction that provokes you to get in it. And then you also have to have a clarification that lets you sort things out based on the connection that you have on the confidence confidence in the power of God to reveal that truth to you. So we talked about how in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. You, you get how John, the author, writes, in, in, his, in his opening passage of the depiction of the gospel being uh, 
effectuated in the lives of the believer. Whereas in the other synoptic gospels, they just recounted activities because we understand that experiences do validate our beliefs. We just like if you put your, you know, they they talk about teaching a person how to stay away from fire and let them get burned one time. And of course, that remembrance, that experience of getting burned, will prevent them from 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 having to believe whether or not they should place their hand in the fire again to know that fire burns. That is one way of experience. But there's another form of experience that takes place where we don't physically experience it. And that is we we, we provoke ourselves enough where we're, we've encountered God so much so that whether we see it for, um, in full effect or the evidence needed or not, we are fully persuaded and we know in whom we believe. For with the heart man believeth unto what? Righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I gave five scriptures that empowered the concept of belief in the previous lesson. And that was John chapter 1, Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 10, Luke chapter 8. And I put a bonus in there, James chapter 2, verse 23, as revealing the theology of belief. And I said, if you can comprehend those scriptures, you can really define what the Bible basis of, of belief. Told you about how in Matthew 9, 24, we find that all things are possible to them that believe. But also in, in Mark chapter 9, it's 24, uh, uh, um, the disciple, glory to God, said, help my unbelief, understanding that there was a power that was absence of faith in the midst that even the things that I'm seeing, I can't bring it, it into fruition. Okay, so 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 in that we saw that in Mark 19, Matthew nineteen twenty six, all things are possible to them that believe. Possibilities that are, are provided through our belief. We found that, that we got to ask for help for unbelief. And it is asking God for help that he shows us how to believe. All right. And so what we've been exploring is what um, belief is all about. Now, one one of the things that we want, <coughs> the 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 things that we want to do today, is simple. We want to first answer how how depth in belief awakens. We want to also answer how unbelief reverses, and then we want to answer what will bring about uncommon belief, so that way we can. Uh, uh, experience that very full effect in our belief system, amen. And then we'll we'll continue to build upon this insight and concepts as the week begins. But our foundational truth that helps us with this teaching is that in order to excel in the power of belief, we must expel the power of unbelief because belief and unbelief cannot coexist. 
And in order for that to uh, be eradicated, we have to have conviction of truth, clarify our viewpoint, and connect with confidence in the proof that we have. Let's go now to Romans chapter 4 and give commentary on that. As you know, we've been dealing with that uh, Romans, uh, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word of God produced so many effects, and part of it, the Word was revealing what we needed in order to believe. The Word of God revealed the Son is the antidote, the Lord Jesus, as to causing our belief to be qualified. It is he that touches our heart that pushes us to believe. Amen. And with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. We have to believe in something in order to see that belief to come to pass. Anyone that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so Romans argues um, to the, the elite church or the elite people to exist as the church. Um, the appeal of it is the, the, the reversal of sin, the rewards of our righteousness, the reigning in life through faith. Those concepts are all coming out of <clears throat> the letter to the church in Rome. And so Romans is also a place where we can, uh, uh, that reveals the reality and the the rewards of our redemption. And in redemption comes the awareness of of the power of belief that affirms us, that acknowledges where we're going and who we are, what we have, and what we're called to do. I love how how Romans introduces the concept of belief. In chapter three, it is a provoking question. Two things, two things that will, um, and I have this in my notes to give to you. Two things that will bring about uncommon belief. One is justification by faith, and the other one is purification of the soul to the truth. So we have justification and purification. In chapter um, 3, verse 19, it brings about the issues that brings us into chapter 4. So it says, There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. This is what the prophecy is talking about. They all are gone out of their own way. They together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is open to supplicar. With the tongues they have used deceit, and the poison of ass is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction, misery in their way, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we that now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith them 
that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. All right, so everybody's guilty of all. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh be justified in their sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, I'm going to get it. I'm going to clarify this in a second, but just read for thinking's sake. But now the righteousness of God is without the law manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness which is of God is by faith of Jesus unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. So wait a minute. Let's give some commentary. Justification is a case. It's a legal term used to determine whether a person has the right to exist in a state of freedom or condemnation. The, the purpose of elitism, of the appeal to elitism, was for the seat of power to return back into the hearts of the believers. See, the, the scripture talks in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. So the case is between the believer and the unbeliever. Two cases. Is the belief is, is the belief set with the Jews, or is it is it just, or is it or is it revealed to those who receive God by faith? Here in this particular teaching, when Romans is created and Romans is written, the author is appealing to the elitism to let them know that the law was set to show that everybody is a sinner before God. But here in righteousness is revealed through justification so that without the law will people be manifested as the righteousness of God by their belief. So he's saying here, if the law could reveal, just, if the law could justify you to live right, there would be no need for knowledge of sin or redemption from sin. Do you get what I'm saying? But the fact that redemption from sin and the knowledge of the law is presented to you as a basis to believe or to determine whether you believe or you don't believe, <coughs> here, here is why Jesus comes on the scene. Nobody's right before God by the law. But in verse 22 in chapter 3, the righteousness of God is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. For there is no difference. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. But, or being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, who have set to be a stand-in through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that pass through the forbearance of God to declare this at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So it is in these chapters, in chapter 3 and chapter 4, chapter 5 and chapter 6, 
in chapter 7 and chapter 8 that we learn as the people of God that we have a right to believe. And that belief justifies us to accept the work that Jesus did on Calvary for the stand, to be the stand-in or the results of us having faith. Faith that what he did through his blood, the shedding of his blood, achieved the righteousness to forgive us of our sins, that we can stand in the presence of Almighty God who can't look on sin. And this we declare at this time so that those who are justified can believe. See, it is our belief that eradicates our unbelief because we have conviction of the truth of the blood of Jesus. We have, we have clarified values on the righteousness for the remission of sin's past so that we can get to God and have connection to that proof that God has set forth a stand-in through faith in his blood to declare righteousness for them that have remission of sins so that through them, through them at this time, they might be made just through Jesus Christ. Now, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Of what you do? See, because here's, here's, here's where this paradox takes into shape. If you got to do something to believe and to establish your belief, then it distorts. It distorts the the confidence and the conviction and the clarities that you get in God. What's been declared over you in your life is that through you establishing belief in God, you're saved. So we conclude that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It is he God. Is he God of the Jews only? Because see then, now that we know that we are not justified by the law, but justified by faith, and faith is on part all those that believe, then all the, is belief limited to those who are Jews only? Or is it not for the Gentiles? Yes, it's for the Gentiles also, verse 29. Seeing that there is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. So when we talk about having faith, it goes on to chapter 4. It goes back to the origin of faith. What shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, pertaining to faith of flesh, hath found. For if he were justified by works, he would have where he has whereof to justify or to glory, but not before God. Why? Because he messed up in his flesh. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him. I love the way the New Testament or the NIV says it was accredited as righteousness. Now, to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that is justified, the ungodly, his faith is counted in righteousness. Because righteousness cannot have any form of sin. Even so, David, 
also desired, describeth the blessedness of man unto whom God imputed the righteousness without words. Why could David do it? David understood something. Created me, O oh God, a clean heart. Renew the right spirit that's within me. What's my ramble about? It is our belief that empowers our confidence in God because we fully trust and rely on God. We have conviction based on the truth that God has presented through and by his Holy Spirit that clarifies these viewpoints to why we trust in Jesus and we connect to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. In order to excel in the power of belief, we dispel and expel the power of unbelief by discrediting the power of faith. See, what do I mean by that? Unbelief is is a skepticism, especially in matters of faith. It's a lack of belief or it's the absence of faith. When a person says they don't believe, it's because they don't accept the reality of what they see as the truth. But faith awakens our reality based on the words that have been declared as the truth. And it is the life of the words that have been declared as the truth that makes us free because it's provoked our heart and convicted our heart to do what is right. See, it is our revelation of the word of God that if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can then voice what you believe. And what you don't believe, if you don't, if you lack wisdom, you can ask God to help you believe, right? And then there's our relationship with the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth that we ought to pay attention to that affirms our belief. So it is the revelation of the word, the relationship with the Holy Spirit that resolves us to have revolutionary thinking by the transformation of mind which says we don't conform to the ways of the world, but we're renewed in the spirit of our mind. Also in this lesson, I want you to pay close attention to the scripture in Romans 4, because here righteousness is passed on to those that accept the works that have been done through Jesus Christ And we can only accept that work Through believing Saying blessed are those whose iniquities Are forgiven and whose sins Are covered Blessed is the man Whom the Lord will not impute <coughs> Their sin So we, we understand That our beliefs Resolves on us being blessed See, we know that those that come into the blessings, them are, are not just upon the circumcision only, those who are in covenant people, but those who are not in covenant. So faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? He was, a, he, was in, he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision. Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Because circumcision didn't take place until after he established his relationship. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of faith, which had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of them that believe. 
though they be not circumcised, but that the righteousness might be imputed unto them. So, so here, here, here is faith revealed. Verse thirteen, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. For they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise is made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath, for where where no law is, there is no transgression. And remember in in chapter 3, everybody in chapter 3, in verse... um, In chapter 3, it says that the law, I I reread it in verse 22, or in actually, verse 20, therefore the deeds of the law shall be, shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now jump back over to chapter 4. In chapter 4, we see that, verse 14, for they which are of the law be heirs, faith be made void. Because faith can't work with sin. (coughs) Therefore, it is a faith that it might be of grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only, which is of the law, but that which is also, which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 15 says, but the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Our belief hangs on the ability of God to work through and to work beyond the law that keeps us bound to sin, to go far above and beyond, because all things are possible to them that believe. Now, I'm out of time, but I'm not out of content. I want to give you the scriptures to meditate on, Romans chapter 4, verses chapter 5, and Romans chapter 10, Luke chapter 8, James chapter 2. But I say that because Unbelief is set in in the absence of faith. And so the crisis of faith becomes when the convictions of truth (laughs) are not clarified viewpoints and connection to a confident proof. And and what awakens that belief is the revelation of the word relationship with the Holy Spirit and revolutionary thinking. So when revolutionary thinking and relationship with the Holy Spirit and revelation of the word is halted, unbelief is empowered. And the, and the and and what will reverse that is a strengthening of the growth in faith, because faith is the only thing that can void out the law that makes the promise effectual to those that believe, in spite of them being covenant or not covenant to God. So it is our strengthening faith that increases our hearing of the word, and it dwell and enforces the indwelling of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then it's our strengthening in our capacity of the knowledge of the power of the word of God. 
And it is in that that we become steadfast in the power of the Spirit of God. So what do we do to reverse our unbelief? We evaluate our beliefs. We examine our state of faith. We encourage growth. And we enforce truth. But ultimately, all of those things can't happen until we engage in the supernatural. So, I'll leave you with this. We are justified by faith, but we are purified in our soul through obeying the truth. And we'll continue in First Peter in the next lesson. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I have, have, have pursued and been persistent in pushing out the agenda of the heavenlies. And I pray that as we continue to journey in discovering belief, that we will increase in the knowledge of your son Jesus and affirm these truths that help us believe what seems to be almost impossible to believe. Thank you because it is possible through your spirit for us to connect to the truth and transform our lives. And for that, we praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There's more to come. I will come with a stronger voice, able to convey the convictions of this belief in discovering depth and belief. God bless you. And I'll see you on the next broadcast.